Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today I'm going to talk about how carers can support someone with an eating disorder. So this can be family members, this can be friends, this can be anyone who is close to the person suffering from an eating disorder who is involved and wants to help. Now I'm only going to do talk quite briefly about this but if you want to find out more information if you google the new Maudsley method animal model it will come up with a lot more detail and you can read and research that and really understand the animal model much more fully okay because what I'm going to be talking about today is based on this model that was designed by the Maudsley Hospital in London particularly to help families of those with an eating disorder um, it's geared more prim- primarily to someone who has anorexia nervosa but actually it's really applicable across all the eating disorders and actually I think generally um, I use the animal model for just life skills, parenting teenagers, all kinds of things. It really, really is helpful. So I guess I just want to say that if you have someone close to you who has an eating disorder, it is incredibly difficult. You probably feel incredibly anxious. You might feel really sad. You might feel really worried. You might feel incredibly frustrated at times. You might worry if you're doing the right thing. You might feel um, really alone and isolated and it can be really, really, really hard. And you might not know what to do to help because I think sometimes, you know, if you, if your loved one is struggling and you can be desperate to help and to try and do the right thing that's going to help, but sometimes whatever you do, it can just feel like it makes things worse or it doesn't help at all. And you can feel like you're going around in circles and you can be left feeling really quite hopeless and despairing. But I guess what we do know is that family support for someone who has an eating disorder is incredibly valuable because I guess, you know, someone can go to therapy, but often, you know, they might only be in therapy for an hour a week or something. And actually relationships within the family are the ones that are so important and can be such key factors for change and to really provide that kind of valuable support which can help someone move forward. So I think the key message is, you know, families are incredibly helpful and, you know, play such an important role in someone's recovery. Now, eating disorders, of course, are psychological coping strategies. So often not consciously, but unconsciously, you know, the eating disorder in some way is solving problems. And that is quite difficult sometimes to get your head around if you're a carer, because looking in, it appears that it's kind of all about food. And it is partly about food, but it usually is about deeper things too. And eating disorders can solve problems in ways like they can help numb emotions and help someone kind of be distracted maybe from other things that are going on in life which might be difficult to deal with 
they can become a means of kind of self-achievement and feeling some kind of purpose and structure. They can offer safety and kind of really simplify life. You know, if life feels really difficult, reducing one's life to worrying about food and, um, you know, numbers, etc. Again, not consciously, but it can be a way to kind of be protective from other difficult things. So those are just a few examples. Um, and I think the tricky thing is, you know, someone with an eating disorder could, they might be able to name numerous things about the eating disorder that they dislike. You know, if you said, right, write down all the negative things about the eating disorder, they might be able to do you a really, really long list. But often, if someone's ambivalent about change and they're finding change hard, there might be like two or three kind of positive things. And I say positive with an inverted commas, really, but positive things that are, you know, positive in the way that it's helping that person cope. And the things that are helping that person cope might be very powerful strategies. So it can be incredibly frustrating because looking from outside, it might just feel like, you know, why, why would you want to do this to yourself? You know, why don't you want to change? But actually, if it's helping solve problems, then sometimes it can be very, very difficult to let go of. So it's so helpful as a carer to kind of view the eating disorder from that perspective, to realise actually this is a psychological problem and that can help you to understand that it's something that can't just be changed kind of through force or logic or kind of, you know, rational argument. Because if someone's using it as a coping strategy, they may be like really clinging to it and finding it hard to let go of. And I think what comes with this is motivation to change can sometimes be quite low or it can be really fluctuating. So it's helpful as well to recognise that someone might not be right now in a place where they're really ready, willing and motivated to make changes. And again, that can be quite frustrating when you're looking in from the outside. But actually, if you can almost acknowledge that and and sort of understand where they might be in the process of change it helps you to accept a bit more where they might be at at the moment rather than to keep pushing um and you can also start to kind of think with them about okay well how could we help shift your motivation you know what's going to really help with that so that's where as well the animal model comes in okay and so the animal model um has sort of different animal types Um, to demonstrate different ways of communication that often occur in families when someone has an eating disorder. So it's very common that parents, loved ones, people around want to be supportive, they want to be helpful, and they want to do things that are going to help that person. But often what can happen is people can end up doing things that aren't very helpful, not even knowing this, but having extremely good intentions when they are doing the things. So I'm going to talk you through now the different animals and I'm kind of just going to talk through some of the main ones and when you go and do more reading if you're interested on this you'll find a couple of extra animals as well but I want to kind of just really simplify it here to get across the key messages. So a really common animal that um, someone, a carer can be and I have to say as well a therapist can be this too is the rhino, okay? 
And the rhino um, comes in and really wants to persuade the person with an eating disorder with their rational logic and kind of good argument um, that they need to change. Um, so they might kind of come in and you know tell them all the reasons why they need to put on weight and to um, tell them all the different foods that they could eat um, and you know have, have a really well thought out kind of logical argument um, and, and have fantastic intentions to really try and persuade the person to change. Now, I don't know about you, but I know for myself sometimes, um, when I'm not ready to change something in my life, you know, it could, could be anything, you know, we, we're all at different places, aren't we, with our motivation to change things, but maybe if I'm not ready to change something and then say my husband is really trying to persuade me um, very convincingly, to change but I'm not really feeling ready what I will tend to do is kind of push back against that and it actually creates more resistance and this is kind of what happens as well with someone with an eating disorder if they are feeling kind of pushed in one direction but they're not really ready to make the change yet what you often get is almost like two rhinos that end up locking horns and it's not very helpful okay but I want to say as well that it's such an understandable position to kind of want to be the rhino because of if you see your loved one suffering, particularly if it's your child, probably with most other areas of their life up until this point, probably, you know, coming in and being a rhino and having kind of, you know, just addressing it in a very logical and direct manner might have been quite appropriate. You know, if they had a physical injury or there was a problem to be sorted out at school, it might make a lot of sense. Um, but it doesn't seem to work so well with eating disorders. We know that and it kind of creates quite a lot of resistance and kind of pushing against um, each other. Okay, the second animal is the kangaroo with the joey. Okay, so what the kangaroo tends to do is treat the person as though they are much younger and come in and kind of do everything for them, really take extra special care of them and um, you know really look after them in a very special way and you might think well isn't that reasonable you know if I've got somebody in my life who's really sick and who's really struggling is that not a helpful thing to do and I think again you know probably a bit of kangarooing for all of us when we're ill can be a helpful thing but I think the tricky thing with an eating disorder is if someone is kind of kangarooed um, for too long they can start to become very dependent on that person who they're relying on. And they can start to lose a lot of confidence in their own ability to be able to do things for themselves. And also inadvertently, they might even start to kind of enjoy that special care and attention. And, you know, nobody chooses to get an eating disorder to kind of, you know, get care and attention. But if, that's something sometimes that can kind of happen as an unhelpful pattern because of, you know, if it really draws people in and actually you're feeling just really looked after and cherished, you might then be quite reluctant to give that up. Okay, so we're saying that with a kangaroo, the joey, it's not really helpful for the long term. Of course, if someone's really sick, maybe they're in hospital, for the shorter term, a bit of kangarooing might be just what you need. But for the longer term, it means that someone might really lose confidence in their own ability to do something. And, um, and also it might, might make change more difficult. Okay, the next animal 
is the jellyfish. <laughs> okay, now I really promise you I didn't make these animals up. They are an official model from the Maudsley Hospital. So the jellyfish tends to leak their emotion very kind of obviously. So they might become incredibly anxious if they see their loved one struggling. They might get angry. They might cry and get upset. Um, you know, their emotion is very much kind of out there. And I think, to be honest with you, if you've got someone in your family with an eating disorder, you have every right to feel emotional because you are really, really worried. But I think the key thing here is really, is if you are feeling like that, which you understandably might be, it's really helpful to take that elsewhere, you know, to go and speak to a friend or a family member, or maybe go and speak to a counsellor yourself to kind of get all of that off your chest. Um, because of, in a way, that's an understandable reaction and you do need support. But it's not so helpful to do that in front of your loved one. Because I think what often happens then is the person that's struggling doesn't feel able then to talk about their own feelings because they are really worried about upsetting you. They don't want to create more anxiety and tension at home. Um, yeah, all of those things. So that can be quite a tricky one. Okay, the other animal is the ostrich. Okay, so that's a bit more obvious one. The ostrich tends to bury their head in the sand and just hope the problem will go away. Almost just pretends that the eating disorder doesn't exist. Just kind of carries on as normal. And the final one, and this is the animal that we are all striving to be, and this is therapist too, is the dolphin. Okay, so the dolphin um, swims alongside, um, so it's very much kind of there, but it's being supportive, is kind of being involved, but not over-involved. Okay, so the dolphin is kind of, when the person needs support and the person asks for support, the dolphin steps in, but the dolphin maintains also as well a bit of distance and the dolphin tries as we can do our best to to be kind of calm and to be um you know to, to contain their emotion as much as possible and to kind of really offer that kind of listening ear okay and the dolphin for the dolphin skills um we use the acronym oars to um, explain the dolphin skills. So the dolphin skills are O for open questions, okay? So the dolphin tries not to tell the person what to do. The dolphin says, you know, how are you doing today? Um, what can I do to help? Um, you know, comes in with open questions, tries not to direct things and tries to look more maybe for the feelings underneath rather than getting tied up in all the discussion about food. Okay, so the next um, part of the acronym is A for affirmation. Okay, so the second thing is the dolphin tries to affirm the things that the person is doing well. Okay, now again, that can be incredibly hard when someone has an eating disorder because sometimes there might just be days where it feels like there's so much struggle and it's very hard to even find a little glimmer of hope or positivity. But the dolphin really tries to affirm and be positive and notice those little glimmers because they're actually that's so encouraging for someone with an eating disorder who is struggling. And the next thing the dolphin does, the R, is reflection. Um, so reflection is reflecting back to the person what they're talking about. So if you're, this is sort of part of like good listening skills. So 
if you are listening to what the person with the eating disorder is saying, that's if they're kind of in a place where they can talk to you, you are kind of reflecting back to them what you've heard them say to help them feel understood. So saying things like, you know, it sounds as though when you're talking about this, you know, when you're talking about that meal at lunchtime, that was a really difficult time for you, or, you know, it sounds like you were feeling really upset today. Um, You know, so you're just really reflecting back um, kind of what you're sensing the person might be feeling, what they're telling you. So you're trying to kind of stand in their shoes. And the other one is summary, S for summary, and that's kind of just an extension of the reflection where you're summarizing what people are saying. And actually what I've missed off the front of ors is I've just realized it's actually eors. <laughs> so sorry about that. And the E is for empathy. Okay, so empathy, open questions, affirmation, reflection, and summary. Okay, so those are all the key skills that the dolphin uses. Okay, so I hope that's given you a bit of insight into the different skills that can be used to support someone with an eating disorder. Of course, it's not easy to do this. And, you know, thankfully now across the country, there are lots of different eating disorder services that do provide um, support um, for families um, where you can really um, learn and master these skills and also get support from other families who are in the same situation because of, um, you know, you're probably gonna really need it. It's so hard to manage alone. Um, and I think another kind of final message is, is it's so important that if you're caring for someone with an eating disorder that you do remember to look after yourself too because of you can get really burned out and drained and your own self-care is just absolutely so important for you to be able to keep mentally and physically well so that you can support the person who you're supporting. So self-care isn't selfish and self-care as well, by doing self-care, you're also modeling to your loved one that that's a really helpful thing and that's something as well then that they're hopefully going to pick up and might be able to do for themselves at some point in the future. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, if you're not um, following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at The Eating Disorder Therapist. And for regular blogs to your inbox, please sign up on my website, rethinkyourbody.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.